bags are packed, are you ready to go? This time tomorrow we'll be on the road Riding with you in the sunnier days I wouldn't want it any other way Hello and welcome to episode 157 of the Corinne Nidja podcast. I'm your host Corinne Nidja. You may notice that I've been away for a month. I apologize. Things just got on top of me. I have had a really busy pandemic year like many of you and you know with the home school we've been locked in Melbourne, locked down to five kilometer radius around our homes. Now it's going out to 25 kilometers and we've had lots of zeros as far as COVID for the last couple of days or three days. So things are hopeful that we'll get out of proper lockdown and be able to, I'll be able to see my parents by the end of this month, which will be wonderful. But it's been intense. You know, we've been homeschooling. In that time, we had a storm come through and just destroy our backyard and destroy our studio in the backyard. And that's still a mess and needing to be rebuilt. And my dad was diagnosed with stage four T-cell lymphoma. So that's been a lot and I haven't been able to see him or support my parents in any way. So I've been doing some intensive trainings, trying to complete a diploma in hypnotherapy by the end of lockdown, just so I could make the most of the time upskilling. So that's what I've been doing. So now I'm adding neuro-linguistic programming, timeline therapy and hypnotherapy and NLP coaching I um, recently became qualified as a trainer so I can actually train people to who want to become NLP practitioners, NLP coaches, timeline therapists and hypnotherapists. So that's been part of my journey. I'm about to finish off my Reiki mastership this year as well. So it's been a, a big year of study for me. They're all things that I'm very, very, very passionate about and I've had such great results with them with my clients so far and with myself so far. So they're just my new favorite things. They're my favorite things. So I'm a bit obsessed and I'll be talking about them a lot more in the podcast and just as I go along, just talking about the results people are getting because I just think it's very exciting when we talk about what can happen when we work with the unconscious mind in hypnosis and with timeline therapy and releasing those negative emotions and those emotions and limiting beliefs within us that can make it difficult to make positive lifestyle changes like adopting a whole food plant-based diet or starting that exercise program that you've wanted to start for a long time or going after that job or career or building that healthy relationship with your partner or as a mother or a parent or whatever. Like it's just all comes in together, you know. You notice it in yourself so many times when you are in a bad mood or you're struggling that it's there's like this this heaviness, you know, in your heart and it Sometimes you can't put your finger on it, but it's just something. And this kind of work with hypnosis means we can we can put a finger on it. You know, we can really come to find the root the root issue, the root cause of the problem that once we find it unravels the whole problem and the whole and the problem kind of just naturally disappears during the session, which I really, really love. That's what's happening with me. And I'm looking forward to running my first training sessions in early 2021. Today, we have Dr. Clapper on the show. He's back. He's incredible. He was on episode 68. Please listen to that. It's got all the answers to all of your questions. If you're new to plant-based eating, he answers all things about soy, about vitamin K, about iron, about protein, about calcium, about everything you could possibly want to know. So episode 68 is really, really great for a general whole food plant-based eating 
information. Go back, listen to that. Dr. Clapper is just an incredible, for me, he's just one of my faves, such a beautiful, beautiful man, a kind man with such positive intentions for transforming medicine and medical education to help future doctors and medical professionals understand the healing power of plant-based nutrition. So I love the work that he's doing. He is now running bi-weekly webinars, which combine almost 40 years of plant-based experience with his entertaining slide illustrated lectures on the principles of how to use the patient's diet to transform their body's chemistry and physiology to arrest and reverse degenerative diseases. From clogged arteries, obesity and diabetes to colitis, arthritis and osteoporosis, the science behind why the foods of the standard American diet or Australian diet or British diet or can foster such diseases is presented and, more importantly, practical strategies on how to use a plant-based diet to restore vital function are shared. Before each masterclass, clinical cases will be shared with enrollees along with thought-provoking questions that invite the participants to analyse and understand nutrition's role in fostering both health and disease. I'm reading directly off his website. So drclapper.com, www.doctorklapper.com. And this is part of his Moving Medicine Forward initiative, the masterclasses. So check them out. You can also go to his website to book consultations with him via telehealth. Um, He has his books. He has lists of books, events, videos, articles, webinars, all about Dr. Clapper is over at that website. Highly recommend you check him out and follow him and do all of the things. He's just an incredible, incredible man. In this episode, we're talking about kind of just going on a tangent. We talk about his background, a bit of his background. We talk about moving medicine forward. We talk about medicine a lot and it, it was a really interesting conversation for me because I had lots of questions and it answered a kind of one big question for me, which is kind of like, why is medicine so seemingly so anti-nutrition and naturopathy and all of the kind of Eastern philosophy, Eastern modalities of healing, you know, why is that? Like I just always found it very fascinating that it has to be so polarised. So it was very interesting to have that discussion with him and I was like, I had a light bulb moment in in this episode where I was like, oh, that's why. It was very fascinating for me. So maybe it'll be fascinating for you too. I hope so. We talked about herbivorous diet versus carnivore diet, the environmental aspect of a plant-based diet, and we talked about the ex-vegans that are out there, and I found that very interesting as well. If you've been noticing, like I have some celebrity ex-vegans out there, and so we chatted about that, which I hope will be interesting for you as well. And he also gave his three biggest tips and I'll leave that for him to tell you at the very end of the episode. So yeah, thank you so much, Dr. Clapper, for coming on the show. Thank you all so much for your patience and I'm glad to be back with you all sharing these hope-filled stories of healing because that's what this podcast is all about. It's about sharing ideas, learning about all of the things that contribute to healing and making helping people to all different ideas of things, but mostly, mostly, as you'll, many of you will know, mostly about diet and nutrition and how it can prevent and reverse chronic illness and in specifically a whole food plant-based diet. So 
Thanks again for listening and I hope this helps you on your own healing journey. Enjoy the show. Hello, Dr. Clapper, and welcome to the show. Hi there, Grant. Good to be with you and your listeners. I'm so glad to have you back. Your episode is one that I, whenever I have a new person come to me and say, oh, Corinne, you know, I don't know where to begin with this whole vegan thing. I don't know where to begin with whole food plant-based. I have so many questions and I always say, go listen to Dr. Clapper episode 68 (laughs) 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 because you have such a a wonderful way of making things that people can – the people and social media, you know, there's so many – so many conflicting kind of messages in social media that people are so mm-hmm. confused. And so I always say, look, just go to episode 68 because Dr. Clapper just, just dismantles the confusion and you don't feel so overwhelmed and then you just know that you're doing the right thing and it's 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 much easier than, you know, going and telling them to, you know, read the China study, even though I love the China study. But, I mean, mm-hmm. for many people, they're not going to want to do that. But, you know, an hour episode with you kind of just... <laughs> Gives them the China study in a really quick, easy to easy to handle, bite sized piece. <laughs> Lovely. <laughs> yeah. So, if people haven't been listening, if people haven't been listening for the whole time, and you haven't listened to episode sixty eight, do you want to just introduce yourself, Dr. Clapper? Okay. Well, I'm a Western trained physician. I graduated from the University of Illinois College of Medicine in Chicago a long time ago now. Uh, and uh, for the first 10 years of my medical career, I was practicing regular blood and guts medicine, emergency rooms, operating rooms, and uh, I was in general practice. And I got really discouraged because all my patients were getting more obese and more sick and uh, nobody was getting better. And so uh, out of despair, I left general practice in 1980 or uh, 1979 and uh, actually a couple of years before that. Uh, and went into uh, anesthesiology. Yeah, I wanted to uh, uh, at least be in a specialty where I, I, I knew what to tell my patients because I didn't know what to tell my patients. But my diabetes is getting worse now. My high blood pressure is getting worse, and all I could do was crank up the the medication. But I was just watching them get sort of fatter and sicker. And then I get that call from the op- from the emergency room that Joe's had a stroke, and and I felt like such a failure that well, at least well, let me go into anesthesia, and uh, at least I'll always know what to do in those situations yeah, yeah. and uh and after a couple of years of anesthesia training i found myself on the cardiovascular anesthesia service and uh dealing with people's hearts and blood vessels and day after day i'm putting people to sleep and watching surgeons open their uh, arteries in their chest and uh, out of their heart arteries pulling this yellow greasy gut called atherosclerosis out of their arteries and that was clogging them up and giving them heart attacks and strokes and my dad died of clogged arteries. I I have those genes. I knew I was going to be laying on that operating table with that striker saw going up my sternum, and I didn't want that. And at the same time, I was getting other messages um, about my about my own diet. Um, that uh, you know, there was already studies in the medical journals that a plant based diet will reverse atherosclerosis, and uh, I had. Uh, decided back in medical school to do the best I could to live a life of nonviolence. And I uh, had read Gandhi and the Indian Saints. And uh, one day in Vancouver, I was doing my anesthesia training. I was talking to a friend about living a life of nonviolence while I was polishing off a porterhouse steak in the local Kagan Cleaver Steakhouse. (laughs) And uh, he said, that's all very nice, Michael, but if you want to 
get the violence out of your life, you might want to start with that piece of meat on your plate because in satisfying your desire for that taste of flesh in your mouth, you are paying for the death of the animal and for the next one in line at the slaughterhouse. And I love animals. I did much of my growing up on my uncle's dairy farm, and uh, and I knew he was right. And uh, all the old rationalizations uh, came to my mind that, well, that animal's dead already, and that's what they raised them for, all that. But before the words could come out of my lips, uh, that little voice on my shoulder said, you know, he's right. He's right. And when I went up to pay for the dinner, I felt complicit in a crime because I knew there was some that wonderful animal uh, was killed for this. And between what I was seeing in the operating room and when I knew my heart that night in the restaurant, uh, that, that was the end of my meat eating. Uh, and, well, my body loved it. But within 12 weeks, a 10 kilo spare tire of fat around my waist melted away. My high blood pressure came to normal. My high cholesterol came to normal. Felt great waking up in a nice, lean, light body. And uh, at that point, I knew I didn't want to be an anesthesiologist anymore and spend my time putting people to sleep. I'd rather go back to general practice and help them wake up. Yeah. So I did, and because now I knew what to tell them. Uh, now I knew why they were getting more obese from what they were eating every four hours, the bacon and eggs for breakfast and the cheeseburger for lunch and the chicken for dinner, the ice cream for dessert, this constant stream of, of animal fat and, and concentrated sugars and oils and processed foods. It's a toxic brew that, that injures our arteries, injures every organ. And so if you get on a whole food plant-based diet, it's stunning what happened. So, and I began to see this again and again in my practice within days of adopting a whole food plant-based diet. And it's, you know, porridge and fruit for breakfast and lunches and dinners and big colorful salads and hearty vegetable soups and big plates of steamed green yellow vegetables and, and Asian stir fries and Indian curry and all this, this wonderful cuisine, lots of colorful fruit for dessert. Within days of adopting that kind of food stream, the, the obesity starts to melt away and the arteries relax and the high blood pressure comes down and the joints stop hurting and the psoriasis skin starts clearing up and the colitis bowel starts getting less inflamed, the migraine headaches start going away, the asthmatic lungs don't wheeze so much, and they turn into normal, healthy people right in front of your eyes. And uh, and I'm the happiest doctor I know. Uh, my, doc, my, pa my patients get healthy, right? All my cardiology, ah, they all getting fatter and sicker. They all need stents. They all need bypass. That's right, doctor. You don't talk to them about what they're eating. That's what you're going to see. <clears throat> but, uh, but there's no reason for that. They're all seeing diseases from what their patients are eating. The gastroenterologist sees colitis and the cardiologist sees clogged arteries and the endocrinologist sees the type two diabetes and the physiatrist sees the sore joints and the dermatologist sees the psoriasis. They're all looking at the same disease. It's what their patients are eating. And so, so I've been a nutritionally based uh, physician for the last 40 years almost. And I've and after 40 years of seeing this wonderful transformation of my patients, um, I realized as much as I love clinical medicine in the clinics, it's too slow seeing patients one at a time. We gotta we gotta reach more people in a hurry here, and so uh, um, 
So two years ago, I left uh, clinical practice and founded our nonprofit organization, Moving Medicine Forward. And I've been going to the medical schools because that's who, who I need to reach with this message. Somebody needs, uh, I, I've been going to giving the medical students the lecture I wish somebody had given me 50 years ago. I, I wish somebody had told me this, that it's what your patients are eating before you order another $1,000 scan and another $500 set of blood tests. Ask your patients what they ate yesterday. And, and if what they tell you is full of burgers and buffalo wings and pepperoni pizzas, that's why they're sitting in front of you, doctor, obese and hypertensive and diabetic and clogged up and inflamed, and get these people on a healthy diet. And these diseases go away. The, the concept of disease reversal. Well, someone had put those two words in the same sentence for me. They didn't till recently. And uh, But what, how exciting medicine has become for me. So I've been devoting my time to now reaching the medical students before pharmacosclerosis sets into their brains and, and they think that drugs are the only treatment for, for these diseases. Uh, you, you can't medicate away new toxicity from the diet, uh, no matter how many, how much statins you give, how much beta blockers and how much metformin, if they're making themselves sick three times a day, uh, you can give them statin until the cows come on. The, cow, the cows will stay out there healthier than the patients. Act. So that's what I've been doing, long answer. But uh, so we established our moving medicine forward uh, endeavor. And uh, I, was, I, had been, I went to almost 25 medical schools around North America. I came to Australia uh, a couple of years ago. I was in New Zealand. I was in New Zealand. I've been to Poland, to the UK. Uh, but then along this March, along comes COVID-19 and uh, nobody's gathering in lecture halls uh, to hear me talk. So we've moved everything online now. And what we are doing is uh, decided, you know, what I need to do for these young students is give them a, a master class in plant-based nutrition. I've been doing this for 40 years. I know how to, I know how to, to <laughs> use the tool. Yeah. And so we've been giving our master classes in plant-based clinical nutrition, uh, dealing with high blood pressure and osteoporosis and Crohn's disease, et cetera. It, and they're all online. And uh, if people... Uh, uh, go to my website, drclapper.com, and I'm sure you'll have the... Uh, I will. Link in the show notes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's uh, all spelled out, D-O-C-T-O-R-K-L-A-P-E-R.com. Uh, you'll you click on Moving Medicine Forward. You'll see our master classes. Uh, the classes are they're meant for a medical audience, but but most of the people who have enrolled are, are not physicians. They're just they're they're uh, associated health professionals. We have dentists and pharmacists and nurses and dietitians, but also just a lot of the interested lay public. Many of them have these diseases. They they want to hear a doctor talk about them in plain English and how to use a plant based diet to reverse them. And so uh, we've got almost a thousand people enrolled in this class. And I'd say over half of them are, are non-physicians, but they're all welcome. So if you if you don't mind a little medical jargon and you want to hear some science, uh, uh, tune into our uh, to our master classes. I definitely want to tune in. I was going to ask you, sorry yes. to interrupt, but I was going to yes. I was going to ask you. It's interesting to me when you talk about medicine and doctors, you know, becoming, what did you say? Getting pharmacology. Pharmacosclerosis. Pharmacosclerosis. Yes. So I'm interested in that because for me, who's not a medical doctor, when I think about wanting to become a medical doctor, to, in my mind, 
I, you know, I, I have, I was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis years ago, but I, in my mind, when I, when I was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis, the first thing that came to my mind, my mind was, what did I do? You know, what was I, not what did I do as a victim, like, oh, a bad thing happened to me, you know, what did I do to deserve it, God? But what, did, what, what, seriously, what was I doing, like, to my body that was healthy, previously and now is very, very, very unwell. My computer's now malfunctioning. What did I do to make my computer malfunction so badly? Like that's kind of how I was thinking about it. I just find it interesting when doctors get into medicine that often they're highly intelligent people that are compassionate, that want to do work healing. It's such an honourable practice. I just find it hard to think that they couldn't, like if I'm thinking, what am I doing? How they're not thinking, what are you doing? Do you know what I mean? Like, it's just... Exactly. Yeah. Like, what choices are you making that lead to this? Like, it just, to me, it was such a no-brainer. Like, I came in, I was healthy to the world, born healthy, and slowly I got more and more obese. Slowly I got more and more migraines as I got more and more obese. I got more and more migraines, constipation, candida, depression, fibromyalgia, and then whammo, I have my, my multiple sclerosis. And it just felt like a very obvious... Here are the things that were all saying, hello, something bad's happening until something really bad finally did happen. And I was like, oh, okay. I can't ignore that. <laughs> I can't ignore this now. I just, I find it strange. And why do you think that is that doctors don't seem to put two and two together when it comes to the cause? Like, why are they just thinking that it's outside of the patient, the answer, when it's so obvious to me and to you and to the people who listen to this podcast and that, Obviously, the answer is in is within the patient. Does that make sense? What they're putting within the patient. <laughs> I don't understand. Tell me why. Right. Oh, it, it makes more than sense. And and to, to this old doc, there was music to my ears. To, to I wish every patient would ask themselves the same question you did. What am I doing that may have brought these conditions about? Uh, most people play, you know, like it whatever disease they have fell out of a tree on them at age 50 and suddenly they wake up with clogged arteries or arthritis. That's exactly the question asked. What have I been doing because I came in, as you said, into this world and health about these diseases? How did they develop? Well, it's just getting older. No, it's not. We're, we're doing the body's not supposed to uh, enter these disease states. And so uh, if I it might be a longer answer, but when you ask, why does this happen? Um, doctors, we, we want to make people better. And it's been uh, since ancient times, uh, the old time physicians, uh, whether they would gather herbs or make some type of potion and you give it to the patient and hopefully the, you know, they get better. The same model has come, you know, has come down to modern times, especially since the discovery of antibiotics um, back in the 19, well, sulfas came along in the 20s and 30s, penicillin came along uh, in the early 40s, uh, and this this was profound, these hellacious infection, evident to everybody that whether you got a cellulitis spreading up your arm or, or pneumonia in both lungs, you, you run in the IVs and wow, within days they're better. This is such a powerful model that, and, and modern pharmacology from, from local anesthetics where you can, you know, just totally turn off pain, general anesthetics, you can, you know, induce this kind of anesthesia. The medicines are so powerful that when you're a second year medical student, 
we're trying to suck in all this information. In second year med school, you take a course in pharmacology and you learn about all the drugs. Yeah, It seems to me kind of like it still kind of is that medicine man kind of, oh, look at the power of this. And it's so exciting. Yep, the silver bullet. Also because it's often largely not to generalize it and, and general stereotype men and women's behaviors, but men love gadgets and things oh, that are so exciting. Like, look at this tablet. Oh. It just makes the heart disease, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I get it. So they're excited well, I... and it's sold like it's this amazing new flat screen TV to the men in the room and the men are like, give me the power to give that flat screen TV to my patient. Exactly. Aha, this quick fix they got the Ferraris in the medical school. <laughs> you understand my gender very well. You must be married to one, I suspect. <laughs> yeah. uh, probably. I know it so well. This is the new iPhone, iPhone 20 of the medicine. The, okay, okay. Exactly. We're, I we're get doctors. it. <laughs> so, you know, what do you expect? Uh, but seriously, we, we've got this very mechanistic view of the body and, uh, and how to treat it. And it's just a matter of finding a mesocillin for whatever it is. Uh, but the, but it's from but these drugs don't work. These diseases don't respond to that's not what the problem is, doctor. It's what your patients are eating, and within minutes, every, uh, every you know, molecules of every food you eat is flowing through every cell in your body. They turn genes on, they turn genes off, they injure tissues, they set off inflammation. You're not going to reverse that with a pill, especially if they're doing it every four hours, uh, and, and yet. Doctors were not taught about nutrition. We don't have any respect for it. Uh, sissy science. Yeah, send them to the dietitian. She'll find a diet for them. And the doctors are eating the same food themselves. They're, they're eating the burgers in the hospital cafeteria. They're eating steaks and lobsters in the restaurant. They're not going to tell their patients don't eat that. And uh, then so then you wind up with a doctor with a big pot belly and a pocket full of beta blockers and statins. And that, that's no example to set for your patients. But... We're we're not as a, a we oh food is a scary thing. I can't that's the last thing I want to talk about. I don't know anything about food. Don't don't ask me about that. It's got to be a it's got to be a germ. It's so interesting because my neurologist was very much that, and I could see that he was just like, I know everything about your head, nothing else, but I know about your head. Don't talk to me about diet. I know only about your head, and there's science. There's no science to diet, but I am the scientist that understands your head. And I was thinking, you understand my head, maybe, but like, I don't think you know what's why it, why it's malfunctioning. Like, you're just looking at me as a floating head that's come into your doctor's office. Indeed, <laughs> that you're going to medicate and kick out the door and mm-hmm. not solve my actual underlying cause of my problem. Right. But when you say this, I'm really thinking now. Like, it's just so fascinating, and I'm thinking about. It's interesting that like naturopaths and nutritionists are often women, and and that you're saying that men are like. Oh, I'm the doctor. Men are the men are the doctors that solve the problems with the pills, and women choose the weak, the weak science that's about nutrition yeah, and herbs. Oh, oh, it's so fascinating. There's definitely a hidden, not so hidden yeah. chauvinism about that. When will we find peace? We'll find peace when the sisters all join up into the medicine field, and then and the men go into the nutrition and like you and Dr. Barnard and all you people going into the nutrition. And then we might be the yin and the yang will be then whole with here, here. He- here, healing here. the human body. I'm an Interesting. Art feminist. I, I, I'm rooting for you guys. And the, the sooner the, the feminine steps up and takes charge, the better, the healthier we're all going to be. Uh, absolutely. But um, 
uh, on another level, it's sad that the when you ask the neurologist, what do, so what do you think the cause of the multiple sclerosis? Well, we don't know. Etiology unknown, and uh, and they hide behind this. I, I don't know, but you're making antibodies against myelin uh, in your brain, wrapped around your nerves. Um, well, when, when people bite into a chicken leg or, or a piece of beefsteak, in there, you're biting, sorry to be gross or graphic, but you're biting through muscle and tendon and artery and nerve. You're eating the nerves of other animals. You're eating the myelin of other animals. Could, could it be possible that fragments of this myelin leak across the, the intestinal membrane into the bloodstream and the antibodies are made against the myelin cruising around your bloodstream and, uh, and may find it that myelin in, in the person's own blood, uh, nervous system? Um, <clears throat> these things don't fall out of the sky on you. Something set that off. And now it might be a virus, might be a, a nutritional deficiency. But for us totally ignore now, the, uh, what we're eating as a, as a driver of so many of these diseases, uh, I, I would love to, uh, I, I wish I had a population of people who've been raised as vegans since birth, who never, you know, who never eat meat, and who never, and see if they develop MS, to see if they get any of these diseases. I'll bet you they don't, because, because they're just not uh, putting those animal tissues into their body. It's so fascinating. And I think, like for me, Definitely looking back on my diet, I, I know it was a combination of it was just so nutritionally bereft. Like I just I just lived off white bread, cheese, potato. But potato was good, but it was like potato covered in butter and, you know, eggs and omelets and lollies and junks sure. and cakes and chips. So there was you know, now I think how did my how did my human body survive? <laughs> <to 24? laughs> I, I often think the same thing. I hadn't been to the toilet. Yeah. You know, I was going to the toilet once every 10 days for oh, like 10 really? years. Yeah. Like, oh, my God. And people just say things like you're saying about old age. People just say, oh, maybe that's just you. My friend, she only goes every 10 days too. It's just normal. Such, such and such goes, you know, once a week. And you're like, oh, okay, then maybe every, maybe every human has a different bowel. <laughs> I knew there was some. Thank you for... For enlighten me on that, and I, and I can rest. Um, but people that. literally, oh, really? people literally think that we all. Oh, well, if such and such only goes to the toilet every ten days, then it's normal because you know we normalize. If somebody else has done it, you're like, okay, then I'm fine. And you're like, if somebody else is obese, then it's okay for me to be obese. If someone else has got type two diabetes at the age of forty, then that's normal for me too. And you're just like. No. Right, exactly. Good for you that uh, you saw it and took responsibility and you got rewarded for it. You clearly changed your diet, no doubt. Yeah, yeah, definitely, <laughs> definitely. So 12 years last month, symptom and relapse ah, free. Congratulations. Happy anniversary. Thank you so much. So with your with your work now, not, not now, obviously, I guess with pandemic situations, you're doing it online. So how is that looking? So you're getting the people that you're saying aren't just medical practitioners, but they're general public and lots of different people who are curious. In the masterclass, what kind of things are you talking to them about? Like what, how, I know obviously whole food plant-based disease reversal, but what are you going in to help educate them? Right. Well, I don't pull any punches. We don't have time for that anymore. And we have to, from the commercials on TV to the government subsidies of the animal industries, you, you see how far we have, 
the, the lengths that people will go to keep on eating their same old diet. Boy, we love that taste of steak in our mouth, so we got to rationalize it somehow. Uh, it's not really causing any problems. Uh, well, uh, that's nonsense, and we know that. And so um, my classes, we first start, we, whatever organ it is, uh, I present a patient uh, with a particular disease, and show pictures of their arteries or their joints or whatever it is. And then we uh, people get a resource sheet uh, a couple days before in their inbox, and it asks some questions. What role do you think this patient's diet was playing in these clogged arteries? What exactly, what constituents of the diet was injuring their endothelial linings? What, um, <clears throat> um, uh, what is it in the, the daily food stream that's, the, that's most injurious? And we, we name the, the exact constituent. What is it about when you eat a cheeseburger, when you eat a piece of fried chicken? What is in your bloodstream for the next four hours? And we go through the advanced glycation end products and the new 5GC and the free radicals and the saturated fats and the uh, uh, the uh, carcinogenic hydrocarbons and the uh, excessive sodium and the, uh, the the fructose and the uric acid and the uh, the oxidized cholesterol. There's a list of about 15, uh, I won't say contaminants, they're inevitable byproducts of eating a fast food meal, but they are so toxic they've never been in the human bloodstream in, in a million, two million years. Uh, and never has this flood of reactive molecules that I just listed, gone, uh, a tidal wave of it has gone through every tissue in your body every four hours. It never clears out of the bloodstream. Uh, it, when you eat a when you eat bacon and eggs for breakfast, um, it takes till noontime for your liver to begin to clear the breakfast fat out of the blood when it's time for lunch. And people send another wave of fat through the bloodstream, and it takes the liver till about six in the evening to begin to clear the lunchtime fat out of the blood when we go visit the colonel and eat some more fat, fat and protein and, uh, and oils. And it takes about 10 o'clock at night to begin to clear the dinnertime fat out of the blood. When we, on the way to the back to the bedroom, we stop and have some ice cream or something else. And the stuff never clears out of the bloodstream. Well, you do this day after day, month after month, year after year. Can you be shocked when the arteries start to clog up and the tissues become inflamed and, and the inflammatory markers go up and the intestinal lining becomes bloody. Uh, and I say to doctors, how you're, you're playing you know, so etiology unknown to you. How did that, uh, why do those joints become so red and swollen? Well, doctor, and we, and we talk about leaky guts and uh, various ways that your, your diet and uh, especially the microbiome can affect your, your joints. Uh, and we, we, we make the connections for people and we talk about what these molecules really, really do. And then we say, when you go on a whole food plant-based diet, first of all, all this list of the, you know, the red tide, I call it, uh, that flows through your body. First of all, they're gone. In one fell swoop, they're, they're no longer, the assault stops the day you become a whole food plant-based eater. And, in, and, and with your first salad and your first bowl of vegetable soup, your first plate of steamed veggies, um, these foods send a wave of phytonutrients, of antioxidants, of, of, of molecules that stabilize the tissues, that send the chemical message to your tissues, shh, 
calm down, everything's okay. It's, it's, it's the difference between one and zero in computers, between eating an animal-based diet and eating a plant-based diet. They are the photographic negatives of each other. And when you go to the plant-based side, everything changes. And, and we see these amazing changes that I listed before. That of course, they're going to happen. It's the proper fuel for the body. So, Dr. Clapper, I wanted to say there's a lot of people who who believe wholeheartedly that we really need that they 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 aren't they're they're on board with the dairy, they're even maybe on board with the eggs, but they're like, but I need to build cartilage with chicken chicken thighs and bone broth, and I need to eat that steak because they're the most mineral rich foods. And for me, I often hear people that even though. I, you know, people talking about, you know, healing multiple sclerosis with organ meats and the meats of the of organic meats. And what about what if I just get rid of grains and carbs, Corinne, and I heal my multiple sclerosis with organ meats and lots of kale, but lots of organ meats and hunting game meats and things that aren't so factory farmed. And Joe Rogan saying, you know, I, I hunt my own elk and I store it in the freezer and I need the elk so good for me and my muscles and my bodybuilding. And Mike Tyson now is saying he needs to go off being vegan so he can fight in the fights and have the body that he wants. What do you say to those people who are just certain that they, Miley Cyrus, you know, I need it. And my brain just wasn't functioning vegan. You know, I need some meat. Humans need some meat. What do you say? <laughs> right. Well, we don't need meat. There's nothing in the meat that I'm aware of that our homo sapiens body requires. We have the same digestive system, basically, as gorillas and bonobos do. And they're, you know, plant eating creatures. We've got fingers on our hands, not claws. We've got long digestive system for digesting fiber. We've got uh, uh, we've got saliva that has starch digesting enzymes, not protein digesting enzymes. We, we clearly have come up through the simian hominid line here. We're plant-eating creatures. Now, we can, we can eat flesh for survival food, and I'm sure a few rotting carcasses on the African savanna got us through times of starvation. But uh, but uh, but uh, in all respect to Mr. Rogan, and when I, when I see people advocating this, I'll say you, you may because it's a it's a compared to what most folks were eating, uh, the white bread and the oils and the sugars and the processed foods, you eliminate those. You're going to do better. You're going to lose weight. Uh, your system's going to function better. Uh, absolutely. And these folks notice a definite improvement uh, from from where they were before. But as a physician, watching these people pack their intestines full of meat two, three times a day, I'm going to ask, what are you, what are you brewing in that patient's colon wall? Are you rubbing that cooked animal flesh in there? You're going to be around in 10 years when that guy passes his first bloody stool from the colon cancer your diet gave him, Mr. Rogan. Uh, they, what are you doing to these people's arteries? You're going to be around, Mr. Rogan, in 12 years when this guy has a big old stroke from that carotid plaque that your your diet gave him. You won't be around. You'll, you'll be off doing some other podcast. You're going to be around when, in, in nine years when this guy's joints light up uh, from inflammatory arthritis, from the leaky gut that, that your diet gave him. Uh, I tell the meds, don't, do not be seduced by these early benefits that, that cleaning up the diet, getting rid of the processed food will give you, but do not think that this is the proper diet for human beings. Uh, and the long-term effect of a flesh-based diet 
Uh, your house cat can eat that, but they're designed. Yeah, but but for you put a flesh-based diet down the uh, in herbivorous digestive system. Um, I hope these people are going to be responsible and not perplexed uh, when these diseases start showing up. I think I think it's inevitable that pendulum is going to swing back real hard. On that note, when you say about her- herbivorous, you know, herbivorous. What did you say? Digestive system. Yeah. Herbivorous. Sorry, herbivorous to digestive. Herbi- <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I don't know yeah. why that happened. Now I'm like flustered to try and say it. <laughs> Hold on. Impose myself. Herbivorous digestive system. Explain that because I think that we as humans are so confused, so confused about what, you know, we think that these are, you know, I'm pointing to my canines, that these are our t- our vicious canine teeth yes. to rip uh-huh. through flesh yep. and these are our, right. you know, our hunting fingers to, you know, catch them and our legs are meant to be running through the forest, hunting down a gazelle, you know. So we think that that we're designed to be omnivores, that we're designed to be flesh-eating creatures, that they're hunter-gatherers, they were hunter-gatherers in Paleolithic times, we hunted and we ate the flesh. And you're saying that our digestive system is not, it's a herbivorous digestive system. So what does that mean? How is it different to a traditional omnivores or a traditional meat eater, carnivore? Whoever designed the carnivorous body of your house cat or a mountain lion um, uh, knows that as, as flesh sits in the intestine, it putrefies. It's, it's 90 degrees, 90 plus degrees, uh, and it's, it's dark and moist and warm, and that animal flesh is going to putrefy. And, uh, and it's going to set off both infections as well as, as probably cancers. And as a result, the, the carnivore animals do not want that meat sitting in their intestine very long. And as a result, they've got these short intestines, um, uh, one or two times their body length. Uh, and so that meat passes out of there quickly. And, and that's the way it's, you know, it's supposed to be. But um, the herbivores, like the gorillas and uh, uh, bonobos and, uh, and human beings, we've got these great long intestinal tracts of, uh, of six times our body length. Our, let's see, if you're six feet tall and, you're, um, and our intestinal tract is about 30 feet, yeah, about five times the, the body length. Um, this is the mark of an herbivore because we need lots of time for that for the fibrous food to uh, have to be acted on by digestive enzymes for the proteins and starches to be dismantled and, and to be absorbed. We clearly have an herbivorous type digestive system, and when you and and these canines, that's such a laughable. Uh, I say, you know, go, imagine running out to the nearest cow you see, jump on its back, open your mouth and take a big bite oh, on the backside with your mighty canines. What are you going to find? You're going to find that your mouth is very small and your teeth are very short and you can't bite through that animal's hide, let alone its muscles. Um, and we've got these flat grinding molar teeth and a jaw that moves in a rotary motion. Uh, that, that's not the mark of a carnivore. Uh, what the, that is, our small mouths, flat grinding molar teeth and short canines are perfectly adapted to eat the food that the Paleolithic people, people really ate. 
when you examine the fossilized feces of the Paleolithic folks, and yes, they are, there are such fossils, uh, they're called coproliths, you, they're massive. You see the huge amount of fiber these people were eating. And it turns out that most of the calories brought into the Paleolithic camp were gathered by the women who spent all day digging up starchy roots and tubers and harvesting edible grasses and berries and nuts. Um, we were plant-eating creatures back then. We are starch of worse today. And, and our, our mouths are perfectly digested for, for biting a, a starchy root. Uh, they're called corms, C-O-R-M-S. Uh, and, and that's the, really what got us through the Paleolithic times. One thing that I'm thinking here as well is not to, even though, even though most of the, that I know, so I'm generalizing again, most of the, the, the doc, plant-based doctors I follow are, are, are men. There are mu- many more women coming in, which is amazing. But like of the original, original founding movement um, of whole food plant-based eating. But it's interesting because I really feel that there is like in the vegan movement and the paleo movement, there are a lot of women in both and there are a lot of men in both. But the vegan kind of movement is largely women and the paleo movement is largely men. And so it's interesting, again, when you think about it from that way that we're like, eat the meat because paleo men were, paleo people were men fighting, killing men. And the vegan women are like, well, where are his and berries? <laughs> like, it's just, it's just a battle that we've been waging as humans for the all of time. Who's, whose thing is the right thing? My thing. Yeah, and but it's time to also be a responsible homo sapien on this planet. Large-scale animal agriculture is destroying this planet. It is the driving force behind every single environmental destruction that we face. We raise and slaughter 80 billion living creatures on this planet every year. They're all breathing out carbon dioxide. They're all belching out methane. They're eating grains raised with ammonia fertilizers that uh, release nitric oxide into the air, nitrous oxide. Uh, and it, the, they're cutting down the forest to, to make grazing land. We're just we're a, uh, uh, species extinction is due to uh, taking all their habitat. Most soil erosion is coming off corn and soybean fields. Most pesticides are sprayed to grow animal fodder. Um, these people who are advocating, oh, paleo is the way to eat. I would say, are you seriously proposing? a flesh-based meal for 8 billion people on this planet three times a day. What are you talking about? This is an elitist, arrogant, unsustainable, planet future-destroying strategy you're proposing here, sir. You live on planet Earth in the 21st century. What are you saying? If there is any chance for us to survive with a livable planet, the, the one thing everybody can and must do is evolve, and I use that word absolutely, evolve to a plant-based diet. If we do, we will need so much land. How, how many elk are, uh, do you need to kill to, to feed 8 billion people? How, how, many, uh, how many wild birds do you have to shoot to, to feed 8 billion people? What are you talking about? But if we adopt a plant-based diet, that we'll need so much less land to feed everyone. The forests can come back. The soils will stabilize. As the trees grow, they take carbon dioxide out of the air. It'll reverse the global warming. Uh, the waters will run pure again. It is the key to providing stability on this planet. I don't care what the paleo folks ate. It doesn't matter at this point. We've used meat eating up. We've used fishing up. We've used the oceans up. 
We've used meat eating up. That, that era is over. It's time to turn the page. You want to be extinct like the dinosaurs? Keep playing the paleo game. But if you wanted a livable future to pass on to your children, then you, we better create and give them a plant-based world. This is just, this is fantasy stuff. I don't care how that steak tastes in their mouth. It's, it's an outrageous indulgence um, that's, uh, that's ultimately selfish, self-defeating and suicidal for the planet. Absolutely. I, I love your point that you're making here because I think that people, when people talk to me about it and I think about, I worked a lot, you know, I've worked a lot in, and lived a lot in low socioeconomic communities. They cannot afford organic game organ meat. So when you say they can only live off or like only thrive with organic elk and or organ meat, from most population, the 1% can afford organic game and elk and elk. The rest are going to get the shit from the supermarket that's full of that's, that's factory farm that's full of freaking chemicals and pesticides and all those things because you're telling them that they need meat to live and they can't afford the meat that you can eat when you're wealthy and you're a doctor preaching it or you're a celebrity preaching it like it's just not fair for all the people that they're advertising this to who cannot afford or cannot access because they're in food deserts that kind of game anyway plus all the things all the points that you're making the elitism of paleolithic and carnivore diets to me is astounding and the people who suggest it and promote it don't even see that like then 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 Seven billion people, more than seven billion people, cannot afford to eat that way. And not even just that it's not sustainable, but it's just financially not viable. So you're telling them they need meat to live and they're going to make choices that are cruel, uncompassionate and poor sources of that meat in the in the in the first place absolutely uh absolutely and it's obnoxious oh no, it is uh, it's embarrassing it's, it's grotesque um but to go um back to miley silas and uh, and mike tyson these folks aren't kidding it wasn't working for them uh, to be totally plant-based and that's fair enough there they weren't um uh, they weren't uh, deceiving us here. So um, the question is, what were they really eating? So I would love to get a four or five day food diary from Mike Tyson and from Miley Cyrus. What were they living on? If it was energy bars and and uh, and, uh, and energy drinks and granola bars, um, no, you're you're not going to have the vital foods that you need. And and they may have uh, had an iodine deficiency uh, for, for now if they weren't consuming a, a food that had sufficient iodine in it, so they might have felt a little hypothyroid. There may, there may well be medical reasons for them. They weren't doing it right. But a balanced whole food plant-based diet uh, certainly is uh, uh, certainly adequate for large herbivorous mammals like us. Um, ask any gorilla, ask any buffalo, ask any giraffe. Um, you, know, you can grow the thousands of pounds of mammalian muscle without eating flesh. You know, we simply have no need to, to ask these magnificent plant-based athletes in the Game Changer movie. Uh, you clearly do not need animal muscle to be as strong as a bull. I, I think that from your point you're making, and I've thought about it a lot because people, there's, oh, there's so many ex-vegan videos. And the thing is people get into it because maybe they followed an Instagram model or they followed a celebrity vegan and they just think they go vegan and they and they think that they're, it's kind of like a, a lovely label that they're attaching to for their ego in a way. Like they're, I'm a vegan and I'm this and I'm that and it. 
But the thing is, when they, when then when they have, they hit like a, a hump, a health hump, because they're vegan, but they haven't really thought about how to be healthy as a vegan. They haven't thought about the iodine. They haven't thought about where they get their sources of B12 or iron or where they're getting their, they haven't thought about it. And then they talk to their person, a friend who's not vegan or their doctor who's not vegan. And of course, their friend who's not vegan, the doctor who's not vegan says, obviously, it's uh, like my doctor will say, Corinne, you can be vegan if you want, but it's very hard to be a healthy vegan. You know, and so then you're like, oh, wow, my doctor said it's very hard to be a healthy vegan and I'm not healthy right now. So I'm going to eat some fish like Miley Cyrus. If you're struggling, don't go to non-vegans to ask them how to be vegan. Go to the vegan doctors. Talk to Dr. Clapper. Go into his masterclasses. Go watch vegans that are succeeding long term. Talk to Dr. Neil Barnard, Dr. Michael Greger, nutritionfacts.org. Go to people who are going to tell you the information that makes you thrive in a vegan body. Don't ask your dad, like, oh, I'm not feeling great, not vegan, be- being vegan. And your dad's going to be like, baby, I told you to eat some meat. You should have eaten some meat years ago. <laughs> like, Indeed, indeed. Yeah. If people would like to do a consultation with me, I'm available through plantbasedtelehealth.com. Uh, if you'd like to reach me, I'd uh, be glad to do uh, consultations with people in Australia or anywhere around the world. So Beautiful. that's plantbasedtelehealth.com. Plantbasedtelehealth.com. That is great. And it's a great resource. There's so many incredible plant-based doctors. And Michael Clapper, obviously, number one. <laughs> but- <laughs> yes, you're getting more and more of us. you got some wonderful folks uh, in uh, right in Melbourne there. Oh, uh, Dr. Malcolm McKay. Malcolm McKay and the crew. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, Malcolm McKay. So Andrew Taylor, Andrew Spudfit Taylor's studying Andrew to become a doctor Parker. right now. He's great, he's, isn't that great? What a lovely man! Yeah, I really like Andrew. Good for him. Yeah, I good know. For good for him. So wait, we'll wait, we'll wait, we'll wait, Andrew, to be your patient. <laughs> Absolutely. But yes, so thank you for that. That's a really important point, and I think it isn't. I agree with you that we can't say that they weren't ever vegan or that they weren't. They were lying about being vegan or that they were never vegan. They were vegan and they struggled to be vegan. And that's that's okay because our society makes it a challenge sometimes to be vegan. Yeah. Now, if, if we have a couple of minutes here, let me let me spin complete this picture a bit. I think what may be happening um, with these folks who fall away um, is this: um, when the, when the when we're raising our infants, our babies at age six months of age, the baby's still nursing on the breast. With all, I don't know how it is in Australia. I suspect it's the same as in the states. At age six months of age, with all the love in the parents' hearts, your mother didn't know, my mother didn't know, but at age six months of age, that jar of baby lamb and baby chicken and baby turkey is opened. And from that point on, three times a day, animal flesh gets slathered on that child's intestinal tract all all through infancy. Uh, And by by age two or three, uh, they're in McDonald's eating their Happy Meals. They're off on a flesh-based diet three times a day, all through infancy, childhood, uh, adolescence, puberty, your teens, your 20s, your 30s. You eat animal flesh three times a day for 30 years since birth. You're going to develop a dependency on it. The when you bite into a piece of cow muscle, you're you are flooding your tissues with muscle based nutrients, carnitine, creatine, myoglobin, think they come from the animal's muscle. Now, our human body, we make our own creatine and carnitine. But if, but if it's coming in three times a day preformed in the bloodstream, 
since infancy, what do you think your genes are going to do? They're going to downregulate because you don't have to make your own. It's coming in preformed three times a day. And so we, people don't know it, but you develop a dependency on these animal-based nutrients. Then they read a book, they go see forks over knives or whatever, they listen to your podcast, and boom, they become vegan. Wonderful. A lot of, a lot of good things start happening in their body. But what's happened to all, all the preformed quarantine, creatine? Gone. Now you got to make your own right now. Okay, you're on your own. Most folks can gear up their enzymes and pick up the slack, but a significant minority, I suspect, they, they can't get their enzymatic gears going over a few, it's going to take them, there's going to be a lag six months, a year longer. And during that time, they draw down on their own stores of carnitine, creatine, etc., and they don't feel so great. And then they eat some meat. And all that preformed carnitine creatine floods through their body. Whoa, I feel great. Wow, vegan, schmegan, man, I'm a carnivore. I need that meat. But what are we watching? This is not normal human physiology. This is an acquired dependency created by feeding a human infant animal flesh three times a day since, since infancy. And this is an addiction, literally. Addiction is defined as a substance taken regularly that when it's no longer ingested creates physical withdrawal symptoms. Are we not talking about this? And again, no aspersions. Again, your mother didn't know, my mother didn't know, Joe Rogan's mother didn't know. But, but if you're raised on this, not everybody can make that transition uh, immediately. And, and some of them wind up repeating the same pattern and they, they fall back into the meat addiction. Uh, so... Uh, I, uh, that may explain a lot of what we're seeing here. So you're suggesting that people like withdraw, that some people, how do you know? Like, how do you know if you need to do it gradual or, or Because if you're feeling dreadful and you eat some meat and feel better, then by definition, you, you got this dependency. So this is some of you, they may need to eat a small piece of animal flesh once every seven or 10 days and stretch out uh, over a few months there, increase the interval till finally they don't need it anymore. And if, they, and, and if that has to be, then it has to be. That make me feel good. But if that's the physiology that we've created by this abnormal diet no other primate feeds its infants animal flesh three times a day this is an abnormal thing that we do uh, and uh, and that might be what we're looking at that we create this dreadful dependency on animal flesh and rogan's a victim of that and mike tyson's a victim of that and you have compassion for him and help him. if they want if they can see the importance of not destroying this planet not destroying the animals then help them uh, and make sure and, and find out, are they eating salads? Are they eating fresh fruits and vegetables? Are they, do they have enough DHA? Are they getting enough uh, iodine, enough zinc in their diet? Uh, what are they really eating? If it's all processed food, if they're junk food vegans, they're going to crash. Yeah, and that might be what we're seeing, just bad nutritional planning rather than some inherent defect in the human body that we require animal flesh. That's an acquired. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I never, I'd never thought of this, and it's really, really interesting that you're saying it because a lot of people do say, "I just need a little bit," or, or whatever. But and perhaps that is that. Perhaps that they is. They might it. be told us. Yeah. yeah, what you were saying just then about all the benefits, and I think that that's when I try. Obviously, I, I've gone from being a, 
I always joke about it because The Simpsons had it on there and my husband's a Simpsons fan. So I always say because there, Lisa falls in love with this boy and he says he's trained to a tree and he says, I'm a level five vegan, you know, and they act as activism. He says level five vegan. And so I've always joked, you know, when I went, once I went vegan, I was like, I'm a level five vegan now, you know, like, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm a level black five. Belt. I'm yeah. a black belt vegan. And like, you know, on your vegan journey, you can become quite annoying to people, you know, because you're like, can you, you know what you're doing? <laughs> And people don't want to hear it straight away. So I have kind of softened and been just focusing on just being a beacon of health and light and love and trying to be that way because that's being led, led more bees to honey than whatever, whatever that flies to honey than whatever it is. Yes, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. That's saying. But for me, the argument that you point out, and I've said it, I said it just the other day to a woman who I really love who was talking about it, and I just, for me, and people who ask me, they're like, oh, but what about, but what about, but what about the medical medium and just doing all celery and what about this and what about the, what was that book about plants eating lectins? There's a book about that. Oh, the, the, uh, the, uh, the plant paradox. The plant right? paradox. Right. And what about right. the grain brain saying your gra- brain's going to go dumb if you eat people? We got stupider and sticker and we started eating grains in our diet. And I always go back to what you just said. And I always say, look, when I think about, and Josh Lajorni kind of has a similar mentality about wins on the board, wins and losses, because he's a sports guy, you know, and he talks about wins. For me, whole food plant-based eating gets the most wins. Like, it's a win for your health. It's a, There's no other – just stop think, overthinking it. Just think it's a win. It's the best diet for the planet. It's the best diet for the animals. It's the best diet for human health. It's tick. Tick, tick. There's like, no, there's nothing that's the same as it. There's no comparison. Just don't even question it. Like, it's just, why would you go for, oh, it's only good. It's good for human health, but the planet, the the forests are just completely annihilated for my carnivore diet. So, but it's good for my health. So I won't care about the environment. I won't care about the animals, but I get one big tick for my for my type one diabetes, like why, 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 why don't, I don't want one tick. I want all three things ticked. Good for you. You've got your priorities straight. That's exactly right. That's exactly. Right. <laughs> but but if I'm I'm talking to the listeners as well, like if people or your relatives or your friends are like, oh, but like, well, how many things does it tick? Is it a tick for just you, or is it a tick for all the things? Like that for me, I don't want me just to win and. The, the people who live on islands that are going to be flooded by climate change, who are going to be dehomed, de- refugees everywhere when they're underwater because of global warming, it's a loss for them. I, I win with my carnivore diet, but it's a loss for people in tropical places where the seas are going to be rising and a loss for the polar bears. It's a loss for all these people. Then it's not a win. It's not a win if everyone else loses, but you win. Oh, no, it's not. Joe Rogan will paddle up in his canoe and give them elk to eat. And so he'll take care of it. Don't, don't worry about it. He's got it in control. All the elk eaters will come to our rescue. Yeah, I just think it's a really great way to think. And I also just on what you're saying about herbivorous diet. Uh, he was a really passionate active vegan activist, and I'm sorry. He wrote, made the video. Gary, Gary, f- Gary, he made the video. Gary Ureski? Yeah. Gary, yes, right? Uh-huh, yeah, right? he Uresky. made that video. Yeah. We're talking about in the cot with the baby with the apple and the bunny, right, and yeah. he's like, what does the baby right. eat? Uh, if, your, if your baby eats the, eats the bunny and plays with the apple, I'll buy you a new car. <laughs> yeah. uh, yeah. yeah, but that really stuck with me. Like, you never see humans drooling over dead things. Like, my dog drools over dead things, but I've never okay. seen a human, like, see some roadkill or or be patting their pet and being like, ooh, you look too – like, I love you, but I also want to eat you 
skinny pig. <laughs> you know, like... Exactly. You think we'd salivate. If we were meant to eat it, we would salivate when it's, we think about just ripping out its jugular and sucking its exactly blood right. while we gnawed on its guts. Like, none of exactly us want right. to do that. None of us exactly. naturally want to do that. That's exactly right. You know, we've got to cook it. we got to put steak sauce on it. we got to do something to disguise what it really is. You know, you're right. We are not flesh-eating creatures. Yeah. Um, by, does does uh, Mr. Rogan, he does, when he shoots his elk, does he rip it open and just, just eat it raw? Um, who's he kidding? Yeah, you know, that's not a natural act. Yeah, yeah. and it's interesting because so, meat eaters, when I was a meat eater, I remember I went to Houston, Texas, and my brother, we were all meat eaters, and my brother said, we've got to go to this rib place. It's the best ribs in Texas. You know, they're like a billion dollar ribs, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. And they're all this thing. And we went to this restaurant. I was a meat eater. So, like, I was thinking that that's what we ate. And I went along, like, they're the best. And he's now vegan too, so we both, we both made the change. But we all went. My other brother died. But we all went, and they bought these ribs out, the size of, like, the size of the animal, like, just gigantic. They hung over the edges of the plate. They couldn't find it. I guess probably they wanted the plate to look, uh, the rib to look massive, and then maybe they could fa- have found a bigger plate. But they, it's hanging over, and I could literally, I was so disgusted. If I was a real carnivore, I was so disgusted. Thinking, oh, my God, I can imagine its lungs underneath this. I'm going to... I can imagine these like these like these ribs breathing, inhaling and moving with the beast underneath them, and I felt fiz- I could hear everyone else was just nom nom nom, and I I wasn't I didn't go vegan for years like it wasn't like that made me go vegan I just looked at it and I could it was such a chest cavity like a wall like a wall of a chest cavity and I was just like I don't know how people think this is. This is disgusting to me. That's very, that is so profound. When I go to, into the supermarket and I walk past the, the meat department, it looks like the pathology department at the veterinary school. Uh, and uh, there's ribs and spines and livers and hearts and, and muscles of various uh, extremities there. And I think, you know, the folks, the, the students at the veterinary school, I'm, well, I, I took an anatomy. I can name all these muscles here. I can name all the, you know, all the intercostal muscles that you're, that you're eating between the ribs there. And, uh, and when you think about the reality of it, how did, did we get so, uh, you know, from, from an, an emergency fuel that, that may have gotten our, our ancient ancestors through starvation times on the African plain. That's one thing. But man, to be eating this stuff three times a day, you got to ask me in a piece of animal flesh into the center of every plate or where's my protein, man? I got to have my protein. No other animal eats flesh three times a day like this. It's grotesque. And we pay the price with our our colons and our arteries and our joints and our bodies and keeps the doctors in business. But. Yeah, who needs yes, that? one of the things I know we have to go because I'm taking up your time now, and it's the evening over yeah. there with you. But I did want to. I wanted to. We've been having a lovely. I'm enjoying. I'm just enjoying chatting with you. But I know that one of two things that I love that you said, which I'd like. Just I just wanted to mention one in your lecture that I went to at the beautiful, beautiful, my brain. I can see her face. Oh, um, oh, uh, Lucy. Lucy. Lucy Stegley. Yeah. Lucy Stegley. I went to the, right. Lucy Stegley's RAW event. So the first one that you went to, a RAW events, right. um, medicine, 
Nutrition in Medicine Symposium and in the in Melbourne. Um, I love Lucy. I love Helen Rocks Row as well. But so there, you did two things. You showed the vials of the blood, which you spoke about earlier, and that to me was a profound moment. Realizing that I can never, just as it's starting to clear. I put that food back in me again. It never gets a chance to clear out of my body, that thick sludge blood. And please go look it up. They have it on Game Changers as well, but look up that sludge blood. And the other thing you said, and I'm just going to get you to say it from the horse's mouth so we can wrap up nicely. When I asked you about my dad and other people who say, but I don't want to, I can't go, I can't go fully whole food plant-based, Dr. Clapper. I, I need just a, can I have it sometimes? Can I do a little bit? Can I have a little bit? Can I just have a little bit, Dr. <laughs> Clapper? I need a little bit of this. I need a little bit of my chocolate and my cake and a scrambled egg. And can I have eggs on Sunday? Can I have a steak and a roast, jerk, lamb roast? Can I just have that? Can I have a little bit? What do you Indeed. say? Because I loved what you said. Yeah, he said, you know, moderation in all things. Uh, well, you want you want moderate diabetes, you want moderate blindness, or you want moderate amputation, maybe just a couple of toes. Uh, there, that, that's what moderation gets you. And, uh, and again, I'll acknowledge that Dr. Greyers put that together for me, but it's a profound observation. It's Absolutely, such a good point for people when they're saying, "Can I just have a little bit?" And you're like, "Sure." You can. Uh, you can edit this one out, but sometimes I tell a story about this father who uh, opens up the door of his teenage son's bedroom with boys in there masturbating, and the boy and the father says, don't you do that. If you keep doing that, you're going to go blind. And the boy says, well, can I, can I do it just until I need glasses? <laughs> Uh, it's a little bit like uh, uh, my arteries clogged just a little bit and until uh, till my blood sugar goes up just 180 or so. All right. Uh, yeah, it's a lot homo sapiens. You know, we're a funny species. Oh, yes. you know? yeah. I've never had a giraffe in the office saying, Doc, I don't know what to eat. I can't, I can't keep my hand, my well, my paws off the cheeseburgers. Yeah, the animals know what to eat. It's just uh, us confused homo sapiens here. So hopefully we can help people get back on their natural diet. So, yes, absolutely, absolutely. And I, lo- I love that. No one thinks to put a donut in your car engine. Like you just wouldn't do it. And you, and, and you, wouldn't, you wouldn't be surprised if your car just started spluttering and smoking. And you'd be like, oh, that's the donut I put in there. Shouldn't have, shouldn't have put that donut in my car tank. What Why did I? It's yeah, just so right. funny that we don't go, hmm, hmm. why haven't I done a poo in t- 10 days? <laughs> exactly. Uh, we're some species. Oh, it's uh, so funny. So, Dr. Clapper, two last things quickly. So, one is we've already mentioned it, but where can people find you, work with you, see you, all those things? Absolutely. Uh, come to my website, drclapper.com, D O C T O R K L A P E R.com. Uh, and while you're there, click on Moving Medicine Forward, and you'll see the work that we're doing uh, with our uh, masterclass in plant based clinical nutrition. And if you'd like to arrange a um, uh, telemedicine consult with me, go to plant based telehealth.com and, uh, and very reasonably priced and uh, and we'll find a, uh, a time in my evening your morning and uh, and we'll connect if anyway I can help you I'll be glad to do that awesome great thank you now last but not least what would be your three biggest tips for people who are starting out 
Stop the dairy first and foremost. Um, there, there. Most people improve uh, health immediately improves when they stop running uh, bovine growth fluid through their uh, through their tissues for all sorts of reasons. Uh, second, um, as Dr. Furman says, the salad is the main dish. Man, eat something fresh and raw every day, uh, at least once a day, not twice a day. Have a have a big fresh salad, absolutely, uh, and. Um, and finally, don't uh, don't forget your vitamin B12. Uh, we're not drinking out of streams anymore. We're not uh, eating. Uh, uh, we're not uh, uh, eating on uh, washed vegetables. The natural B12 sources out of our food have kind of disappeared due to modern sanitation, not from lack of elk eating. Uh, and uh, and for that reason, uh, you need a little bit of B12 once or twice a week. So if you do those three things and eat a lot of great tasting food, a lot of whole plant foods, uh, the less high temperature cooking, the less oils, uh, the better. Man, you uh, steam those veggies, make those soups, and uh, and eat all you want and uh, enjoy this food. Season it uh, and uh, rejoice, celebrate. It's the food of life. Thank you so much, Dr. Clapper, for coming on the show. Oh, thank it's been you. an absolute pleasure. Indeed. Thanks for making this platform available to get this information out to your viewers. They're fortunate to, uh, to have you in, in your wonderful country doing the work that you do. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Dr. Clapper, for coming on the show. Thank you all so much for listening. Don't forget to check out Dr. Clapper on, at his website, www.doctorklapper.com. And go over there and look at all of his things and join his masterclasses and just enjoy it. His masterclasses are so awesome, honestly. He's had a class in the fundamentals of plant-based nutrition, why it works. We've had healing the hearts and arteries, plant-based nutrition, overcoming obesity, reversing type 2 diabetes, how to vanquish colitis, Crohn's disease and other GI disorders, treating the causes of autoimmune disease, strategies for strong bones and healthy joints. Oh, my gosh. How to fuel a plant-based athlete. Oh my gosh, cancer, can water fasting and plant-based nutrition help? Optimizing vital organ functions, plant-based nutrition for healthy skin, nerves, kidneys, and liver, eating healthy in the real world, meeting the challenges ahead, um, nutrition in the time of COVID-19, ecological aspects of animal versus plant-based diets, and the summary. So there's just so much good, 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 good stuff there. Check it out. You will love it, and you will hope you. I'm sure that you will love it. You will love it, and He's just a wonderful guy. So enjoy his work. Moving Medicine Forward is an incredible initiative and I hope that you can all get behind it and support it and check it out. Have a great week and I will see you all next week for episode 158. It will be coming out back to probably Tuesdays and Wednesdays will be the time from now on. Tuesdays and Wednesdays moving forward will be the podcast day. So enjoy the show and I'll see you next Tuesday. Bye. Bags are packed. Are you ready to go? This time tomorrow we'll be on the road. Riding with you in the sunnier 